Look at how blessed you are this morning, right? Let's say it together. I am blessed. That was a warm-up. Ready? If you have food on your table today, if you're sitting next to somebody that loves you and you love, you are blessed, aren't you? We are blessed to, to know Jesus Christ. This is our second week in our series, Who Am I? Trying to discover our identity in Christ. And today is, is about just that, about being in Christ. I am in Christ. Otherwise, I'd be overwhelmed, wouldn't you? If I wasn't in Christ, if I wasn't in his hands, if he didn't have a tight grip around me, a grip of love, then I might be in despair and despondency. But because I'm in Christ, I know that there's nothing that could separate me from God's love. He will always be there for me. And many times you don't even realize that until you're in the deepest pit and wondering, just like our friends this week, what is God trying to say? What is God trying to say to me? He wants you to say this to yourself. No matter what I go through, that I am still blessed, right? And blessing always begins with God. It doesn't begin with some kind of financial bonus that you get. It begins with God, and if you, if you stop to think about it this day, you're going to realize this. You are going to realize that being alive is a blessing. That being loved is a blessing. That sitting with someone who loves you, or having someone who loves you and that you love, is very powerful. And that God says that blessing is good. That you are blessed and that when he made you and designed you the way he did, that it was good, that his creation was good. It wasn't bad. How many people do you know? Most of the people in this room at times wonder, who am I and what is going on in my life? And what are you trying to show me, God? And why do I keep going through these same cycles of despondency and despair or hurt or loneliness or whatever? And God wants you at those moments in time to be able to say, I am blessed. Again? I am blessed. And you know, the more you say that, the more it drives away the darkness and doubt about all the things that the enemy wants to place in your mind and your heart. Yeah. And so it says in the book of Genesis from the very beginning, so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing which the water teems and every winged bird. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them. He has blessed you beyond what you can imagine today because you're actually sitting in this room. You're actually desirous of spiritual things. You didn't just come to church at Rock Church because it was your duty. You came because you wanted to be here, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Maybe some people didn't, but most of us, I think, did. You know that it's a fact that who we are is much less about doing and far, far more about being. It's not just about doing, because I was raised in a home much like Bob's dad who went to Bob Jones University. 
I was raised in a home where it was all legalism and rules. And let me just state this clearly. There are two extremes to that. One is to go the other way and let the pendulum swing so you become just nothing but wild away from God. And the other is to be so apathetic that you think God, you know, has somehow disappointed you so greatly that you can't possibly serve him. And I'm here to say this today. God loves you. You're blessed. And there is nothing that you can do to separate you from his love. Nothing. The people who lost loved ones, it is not God trying to discipline them and say he hates them. No. It is about them being strengthened and growing through what is happening. For, for sure. In a review of last week, I said this is the verse that we need to use as the overriding verse for our entire time that we're studying in the book of Ephesians. It's found in verses 12 and 14 again, that we should be to the praise of his glory. I want you to say it with me. Ready? That we should be to the praise of his glory. We're going to put a comma right after B up there. And you know my style in memorizing verses is always say the reference at the beginning and the end. So we'll repeat this verse every week, and down the road you'll say, but the Bible says that we should be to the praise of his glory. Ready with me? Ephesians 1.12. That we should be to the praise of his glory. Okay, this time we're going to do it like really dramatic. Oh, come on now. Pause after the word be. Ephesians 1.12. That we should be to the praise of his glory. And that's what God desires more than anything. Ephesians gives three words that govern the Christian life, is what I stated last week. Doing, first of all, focuses on right actions, our conduct, our witnessing, our praying, and our giving. And while I think that's very important in the Christian life, too much emphasis is placed on doing because we're worried about what other people will think. This is what I believe. God loves you and doesn't care about any of your sin. He is not looking at your past sin, your present sin, or your future sin and say, well, I'm ready to disqualify you. He is looking at you saying, all I want is a relationship with you. Our churches have placed emphasis on disqualifying rather than qualifying. Wouldn't it be just like Jesus to try to qualify you right back into his presence? Or would it be his goal to tell you that you must repent before you dare come into his presence and the prodigal father will not allow the son to come home? If you're a parent in this room and you're any kind of parent at all, you weep over your children and you can't wait for them to come home. Yes? Yes, that's correct. My wife lights up when my daughter comes into our house, either of them. If Danielle comes over, my wife's tone of voice changes. And Lexi came over last night, and I said, she, Lexi, she is so happy when you are here. Let's just stop here and say this. Every child is a gift from God. Yeah. Don't waste your days being angry at your children. Love them. That's the only thing that is going to win is love. It's not going to win if you just beat on them all the time, physically, mentally, and verbally and even spiritually, to try to tell them how wrong they're doing. Children do not respond well to that, nor do I. The second point is knowing. Knowing focuses on the facts and doctrine. And so I grew up in the Baptist church, and this is how it was, and I could relate to Bob saying his dad, Bob Brown, went to Bob Jones University. It is all about rules. It is all about knowledge. And that, that mindset is literally destroying our nation. 
It's killing our churches and destroying our nation. It doesn't mean you throw all the rules off because God is holy. But a kid has to want to live right, not be forced to live right. They need to be encouraged from the time they're small. If you're struggling with rebellion in your family, you might stop and think to yourself, okay, we need to take a step back and say, how much time am I spending with the Lord myself? Yes. The third point is being. It focuses on the inner qualities of holiness and being holy. And it doesn't do this. It doesn't measure everybody else and compare everybody else to how holy you are or how holy somebody else is in the church. None of that should be taking place. All you need to be concerned about is being the kind of man or woman that God wants you to be, and you're going to be happy. You're going to feel blessed today. Are you blessed? Okay, this is this, I know this is my thing with the Duffies, that I have, to, I have to do all three things in a service. I've already sung, I've already cried. What's the other one? Yell, yell, okay. It is the Baptist preacher in me. I, it, it's the way I am. I, I see the videos that are out now bashing on our new president. And I, like, believe it or not, some pastors from another church sent someone to our church last week to bash on me and found everything that was wrong with our church and actually put it in a public forum. That's disgraceful. That's not love. That's not gonna, and I don't hate them for doing it. I just think to myself, why don't we spend our time bringing people to Christ? Why don't preachers get together and just go out here and every bum that comes by, bring them in for a meal? Why don't we focus on seeing people come to Christ? As last week, I appreciated the man that accepted Christ at the end of the service, immediately went to Facebook and talked about it on Facebook. And that makes other people think, God is still alive. Yeah. Is God alive today? Yeah. Do I need to get up here and do a dance? I, you know, the, they put my message online, and I'm, I'm like thinking to myself, I hope they took all the bad stuff out. And I put my message online, and my wife's sitting at the counter, and I go, don't you hate it when you hear your own voice and see your body, your body language and your actions? Do, do you know what I'm talking about? You think to myself, man, you are a nutcase. You need to get a hold of this and, and come to grips with yourself. And I think, no, I can't be worried about what you think. I need to be worried about what God thinks. And I, I want to assure you of this. He is not up in the sky saying, you dirty rascal. I'm going to spank you for this now. No, he's not. That is not God. God is the prodigal father who can't wait to run for you. Oh, yeah. Get that amount of love and grasp that and put it in your head. It's going to change you. You're going to have a smile today in the middle of whatever tribulation you're going through. So Ephesians, Ephesians 1.12 reminds us that we should be, be to the praise of his glory. Not talk, not act like, not just have a bunch of head knowledge, but actually live to the praise of his glory. Because we can do right and still not be right. We could fake everybody out. A lot of us have become professional fakers. When I grew up in my house, my parents used to say, you cannot listen to rock, rock and roll music. Well, I could get around that easy. And they come to our door. Are you listening to the wrong kind of music in there? See, what they did was they actually made me want to listen to it worse. I just thought, no, this is fun. Fooling my parents. My, my parents had rules for my sister. No miniskirts or makeup. She wore long skirts to school, rolled them up way up. I saw her there. 
she had a whole makeup thing in her, in her locker at school. She put makeup on, and I'd look, and I'd say, is that my sister? I look back and I laugh and I think of, I hear, heard, I've heard preachers, Jack Hiles used to come to our church and he'd preach and he'd bang on the pulpit. One time he was banging on our pulpit and the ladies had had a food shower in the auditorium and they'd filled the bottom of the pulpit with all the food and canned goods rolled all the way out under the congregation. He was slamming on the pulpit and he said, what in the world using God's pulpit for a food shower? This is not God's pulpit. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is. We've got it all wrong. We've literally chased our own families out of the church. They don't want to go because they know there's no possible way they can live up to what is being expected of them. Paul first tells us who we are, and then he tells us who to become. He tells us who we are through the entire book. Who am I? I am blessed. Yes, I am blessed. And then, and then you begin to understand that Christianity is not behavior modification. That's fake. God is not interested in you torturing yourself with behavior modification. He wants you to actually do what you do because you enjoy it. I like being here. It's not a job for me to get up in the morning and on Sunday and say, oh, gee, I got to go preach today. What? I can't even wait to get here. I can't even wait to get together with the praise band. There's 25 or 30 people in here on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock. We're preparing our hearts to be Levites and minister to you. That's what we're doing. You'll always behave according to what you know is the truth. If your parents are telling you, the devil got you, the devil made you do that. The devil's just got, what's wrong with you? Satan is going to take you out, child. I'm going to take you to the bathroom, but Satan's going to take you out. I say this, and I know this makes people resentful. I have to wear hats because my head shines too much, but, <laughs> but, then, it, but then it sweats too much. Okay, listen. Behavior modification is not going to change your children. Love is. Whenever there's problems with rebellion in your house, it's because there is not the love that's needed. Yes. You say, well, are you blaming me for everything that happens to my kids? Mm -hmm. I think kids are kids. They have a mind of their own. But I think that you need to be praying for your, for your children before they get out of the womb. Before they even pop out of the womb, you need to be praying, God, please. We have three ladies that are ready to burst any second. <laughs> Aren't you overdue, Chris? Now, some, some other church has sent spies here, and they're going to say, he was talking about ladies ready to burst and all this stuff. <laughs> Go for it. And, and aren't you due soon? Who else is pregnant that's due? Mandy is somewhere in here, too. Their beach balls are big. <laughs> and they're ready to come out any second. It, uh, you know, I found this, that in church work, births go in cycles. There's this group, and now there's going to be another whole group of women that get pregnant because we need a cycle of little children. Best way to grow the church. Soon these chairs will be filled with new babies that are growing up looking for husbands or wives, right? So I, I want to actually 
just take, take a moment to go back and read the whole text, so you, and I'll do it really fast. You follow along with me. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. Say that with me. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption. There is so much there I can't even possibly explain it all. He talks about predestination and foreknowledge and adoption. He talks about all these things to help us to understand God is not some mean God up in the sky waiting to discipline you for doing wrong. God is the prodigal father who is running for you because he loves you that much to spare you from the agony that comes by living in Adam and not in Christ. I'll get to that in a moment. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. That says to me, I do not need to explore the world for my identity and who I am. When I am in Christ, it is already laid out for me. All I need to do is obey God. All I need to do is love God. I'll make you a promise today. If you love God more than anything else and every day you take his word and you put it in your life, you will be happy. I'll make you a solid promise. Is that correct or not? You are not happy today because you are not in the word of God. You are not putting on your helmet. You're not putting on your spiritual garment. You are not happy and you're wondering why. It's not about fixing your kids. It's not about fixing your marriage. It's not about fixing your finances. We offer all these courses in our churches, but we are not teaching people that your heart is right when you realize how much God loves you and he doesn't care about your sin. Come back right now. In a second, he takes you back. In a second, because he has predestined you to something bigger, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. He bought us back. That's what redemption is. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. There's in Christ again. If you're in Christ, you will know God's will. If you are walking with Christ, if you are in Christ every day, while you're in Christ, his will will be revealed to you. And you know what it will be? Submit to God. Submit to God. Lean on Jesus as a strong tower. Love the scripture as your guide for your life. Live it out. Realize that when I am in Christ, I have victory over the enemy. I don't need to be defeated, discouraged, and depressed. God has given, extended a greater plan, hasn't he? Oh, Lord, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, you have something bigger for us than what we even think or imagine as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Wow, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. Last week I told you there were three things that people are searching for so much. Number one was, you desire significance. You want to feel significant. You desire sufficiency, secondly. You want to feel sufficient. Nobody wants to feel inept and unloved. And number three, you desire security. 
Oftentimes, I think of the people that are my age. At 65 years old, I oftentimes think, oh my gosh, please God, let me live for the sake of my wife and my Josiah that are still in my house. The older I've gotten, the more I've realized this too. You're going to have bumps in the road along the path. You're going to have bumps in your marriage. You're going to have bumps with the person that you walked down the aisle and you said, oh, I love them so much. And you're going to find one day that they're not perfect. You can either let that take you the wrong way or you can recommit to God and say, my marriage is going to be better than ever. I'm going to love my spouse more than ever. I'm going to look at my spouse right now and say, I love you. Look them in the eyes right now. I love my wife so much. She's put up with me for 41 going on 42 years. We're going to make it. We're not giving up. You should not give up. God has something in store for you that he wants to give to you. You want the security of knowing that when you come home, your spouse still loves you. Yes. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. There's an inheritance, inheritance waiting. Now, whether you realize it or not, this is what I think. My head's sweating too much, I don't care. What'd you say, hon? I know you think that, but... <laughs> she says, you're handsome anyway. And then all the other people in the room are going, so vain. So vain. You, you know what? You cannot possibly win with people. You can't possibly win. So just give up trying and, and just go for God. You always win with God, don't you? Always win with God. And if you're really blessed, you'll realize this. You'll, you'll, no matter what you do, you will still be loved by the people that actually love you. They're going to stick with you. Yes. Oh, yeah. See, we, we all want to belong. So we're going to put some big words on our windows here in the next week or two. You belong here. Why? Because everybody needs a place to belong. Those guys that come off the railroad tracks, I told you I saw a man come off the railroad tracks and I think he had a bottle in his hand. And I was thinking to myself, well, it's kind of scary. We're right down here by the railroad tracks. We got the party store right out the window there as a reminder to you that, and, we, and I was told, you should not buy this building. It's like right on the border of what? It's on the, no, it's on the border of eternity. For a lot of people, that's how I see it. Come on, right? It's on the border of all kinds of people that need Jesus. We don't care about the color of their skin, what race they are, or any of that other crap. That, my wife will say, don't say crap in the service. But that's, that's, not, that's not even as bad as it gets. We are on the border of people's worlds who need Jesus. When you talk about church growth, I don't want church growth. I think it leads to division. The more people you have that just come for a joyride, the less unity you'll have. This place is all about seeing people come to know Jesus and us loving him better, right? See, we want to be in because in is a part of included. We want to be included. We put ourselves in categories all the time, don't we? It's like different categories. I'm young and, well, he's old and... I'm good-looking, and she's nasty, and I'm athletic, and he's a nerd, and I mean, on and on. 
on and on and on and on and on. And what I, what I think with Jesus Christ and with God is, he looks at us and says, I'll take anybody. You want to be included? You want to be in? The best in to be is in Christ. Yes. Those that are in Adam are those that are lost in the room because there are two categories of people. If you went back to the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, you'd realize that all of us at one point were in Adam until one day somehow by the grace of God, the word of God was shared with us and we realized that I am, when I am in Adam, I'm lost. I'm on my way to a place of being separated permanently from God. And God says, I want you to be in Christ. Because in Christ alone, you're going to find strength. In Christ alone, you will overcome death. Because you have a hope. Because you know that death is not the end, it is the beginning. Right? For since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, Jesus Christ. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ we are all made alive. He didn't make you alive so that you could fail and fall and be reminded of your sin all the time. God does not do that. The biggest problem that I have with West Michigan culture is constant condemning. Condemnation, constantly, not from outside the church, from within the body of Christ. Our legalism has overtaken our culture in America and made people bitter and hate Christianity. You realize this, that God's word says very, very little about Christianity and very, very, very much about being in Christ. There are two categories of people in this room, whether you want to admit it or not, and I hate to say this, but there are those that are in Adam who never realize that in Adam you will die separated for God. For whereas by one man, the Bible says, sin came into the world and death passed on to all men because all have sinned. It's in your blood. I have friends in Vietnam and and one of them, they just had a little baby girl a couple months ago. And the, the Vietnamese customs are very, very strange. They have this rule that the mother does not go out of the house with the baby for three months. She has to stay in, and she doesn't not wash for three months. And I'm like, God, if she stays in there, they live in one-room houses. It really has to smell. And they can't wash. They stay in the house. It's, it's a process of training up your child from the time the child is born. It's this bonding thing. And one of my friends this week Twee, her name is. They have a little boy, her and her husband. Mutt. Her husband's name is Mutt. Mutt. There are no vowels. There's just M-T. Mutt. Otherwise, you'd say Mutt, and he's not a Mutt. His, their first child looks exactly like his dad, does he not? Guys that have been there. It's the rep. I, I could pick him out of 10,000 people. Okay, I'm making a point here, so stay with me. If I can do that, if, if I'm in Adam and all we see is your fleshly in Adam tendencies, I, I would say this. I could pick children out of the church and say, yeah, I think that's so-and-so's child. They not only look like him, they act just like him. Did you ever stop to think that the things that you're seeing in your children that you don't like are you? Yes? Oh, God, the Holy Spirit's moving now. Oh, Jesus, he's meddling. Oh, God, make a move on right now because I'm getting convicted, Jesus. You know it's true. 
You look at your kid and you say, why is he acting like that? Or why is she acting like that? And you just need to look in the mirror and you have the answer. Right? Rebellious hearts that move away from God come from you. And, and God is blessing you enough to say, you need to make some adjustments in your life. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If you are in Christ this morning and you're not locking in to the power that he's given you, you're, you're in trouble. Late last night when I was studying, I came across three things that I hand wrote. They're not on the screen, so don't worry about it. But I want to make sure you get these today before we leave. John Piper said this. He said, the main reason we don't have resurrection power right now, there, there's a main reason why we don't have resurrection power right now, and he builds it on Ephesians 1.18. The eyes of our hearts are dull to spiritual reality. John Piper says, and it's not on the screen, the eyes of our heart have become dull to spiritual reality. Listen to me, mom and dad. I can help you. You are not where you ought to be with the Lord, and so your children are not where they need to be with the Lord. You get this? Oh, yeah, there's like tons of amens. Oh, yeah, Pastor, that's right. It's, no, everybody's sitting there. Don't say another word. Don't move. Don't move an inch. You'll think we're talking. You'll think we're guilty or we're convicted. It's okay to be convicted, isn't it? I'm convicted. I'm constantly convicted by the power of the word. We do not understand the authority that God has given. And he says three specific things that stop us from understanding the resurrection power that we have. They're not on the screen. We are not fully aware of the blinding, deadly power of sin that in Christ has been conquered. So what do you do? You continue to give in to the blinding, dead power of sin. You're going to do it today. I will guarantee you, there's a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling when you come to this church. We designed it that way. It's the bait. It's the bait to get you in here to make sweet rolls. It smells good. You go to the bathrooms, they look like posh, like, like at some fancy hotel. That's just the bait. The building is nothing. The best thing about Rock Church is this. We have learned through experience, specifically me, I'm desperate for God. You are desperate for God. And right now, in this service today, you've already been stirred. Your emotions have been stirred, but emotions can lie to you. You need to understand that it's an, not an emotional high to get up every morning and open my Bible and read it. But when you're finished reading, if you've read because you want to grow and change, you will walk away from there saying, I am blessed. Right? Say it with me. I am, I am so blessed that I am in Christ. Okay, you're going to have to do some better convincing than that. I'm so blessed that I'm in Christ. Being in Christ is amazing. Otherwise, you're going to be very depressed and very discouraged. So we're not fully aware of the power of Jesus through the resurrection. He said the second reason is we do not and are not fully aware of the demonic power around us. Oh, don't talk about demons. You just manipulate people. You're just a great cult leader. You're the great cult leader. There's one blah, 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 blah. No, the fact of the matter is that anything that takes your attention more than Jesus Christ is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I don't care if it's Facebook. I don't care if it's food. If it's cherry pies that you have to have one every single day. If it's video games. We, we went away this week for a couple days to a hotel and they have a video arcade there. And Josiah doesn't play video games. We're not into letting them do that because it's addictive. And it's not because we're holier than everybody. We're not. No. You should know me better than that. But for $20, you got a pass from 9 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night. Where do you suppose Josiah was? Between the water park and the video games, he was in hog heaven. I don't play video games, but I even went in because there's a two-seater that you get in. You get in these things and you play these games, and we were killing zombies like crazy. And then... And then the Star Wars one, you get in there, you're all by yourself. And I just, I didn't, I didn't even know what I was doing. I just kept going like a madman. Josiah was standing in there with me and he said, you won. <laughs> I've never played before. I just shot everything. In the zombie one, I even shot the girl who was on our team several times. I, I didn't even get it. She kept getting resurrected. I thought Jesus was the only one that got resurrected. She just coming back to life. Dad, you hit the girl again. <laughs> Because I suck at it. I'm no good. Do you understand the demonic power that makes you want that out there more than this in here? Do you understand the demonic power that says in the morning, oh, it's too late, you can't do this. You understand the demonic power that says, don't get in the word, it'll change your children. Don't get in the Bible, you will actually get blessed. You will actually feel the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life if you take the word of God and apply it to your life. Demonic powers. Mm. But there's one last thing he says. Piper says, and I thought this was so powerful. He says, you do not fully understand how much power Christ has in the universe. This is what I think. I think God gave us a break from a country that is on a deadly path. I don't care if these other preachers come in here and get mad at me because I say things about politics. It's fine. I am going to use this pulpit to express my thoughts about what's going on in the world and how it relates to Scripture. And what I see this last week is our president, who is a gift from God, not perfect, maybe he does lie, but so did the other guy, and so do you. That's not to excuse it. But if all we do is pick on him and don't give him a chance to prove that, yes, God put him in there, Christians should be ashamed of themselves for spending their time bashing on Trump. Ashamed of ourselves. And you know what I say? You know why I say that? Because Mr. Netanyahu was in the United States this week and sat with our president, and I think he's giggly happy that we have taken a new path. But Mr. Obama is living in Washington and started his own puppet government where he's controlling all these people. God, spare us from him. If God's people don't speak up in the workplace, in the shop, in your schools, and in your homes, and in, among college the universities, which are ridiculously liberal, we're in trouble. That's not legalism. That is what God would want. Us expressing what we believe is wrong. His wife, Trump's wife, at a rally Saturday in, somewhere in Florida. We listened to it last night. It was so ridiculously sweet when she quoted the Lord's Prayer. They said, uh, a president's wife 
has never done that. And you know why she did it? She wanted to make it clear to everyone out there that we are a Christian nation. Our founding fathers built our constitution and our entire nation on Christian principles. If you don't like that, I don't even care if you're a preacher. Hit the road, get out of here because, because you're going to get it every week. It has nothing. It, it absolutely... Why would, why would we want to make the office of president a racial issue? I am the least racist on the planet. The least. I think I'm black. I like black custom traditions, food, and music more than I like Caucasians stuff. Has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with the Obama's deceit about what they really believed. He had eight years to prove that he had Christian values, and he failed. Our nation was founded on Christ. Let's just say this. As, as Paul is speaking and writing the book of Ephesians, probably from some prison cell, and God only knows what he got put in there for, he was probably accused with stealing money from the church or being a homosexual or some ridiculous thing. Don't, don't even go there with me because what's online is lies about me and about our, our president in that White House right now. Lying and lying and more lying and deceit. The evidence has to be in the fruit always. I'm watching the fruit of the new president. He is not God. He might even be the Antichrist. All I can see is this. I heard Mr. Netanyahu say in the office with the, white, with the president, he said, if only people would have listened, that actually what's happening right now in the Middle East is it is not just Israel that is upset with Iran. It is bordering Arab nations that are also deeply concerned and upset. And so we have five other Arab nations that are uniting with Israel to take a stand against where Iran is headed with these nuclear weapons. I see a peace treaty coming, and that's what he talked about. Now, this is how I see it. Take it for what you want. If I look at prophecy, I think the thing that will bring us into the very arms of God when Jesus comes to take us away will be a peace treaty in the Middle East. It's going to take us out. Gog and Magog are going to come down. We could go into all that stuff in biblical prophecy. But what I see is this. Parents, listen to me. Stop being so concerned about your kids' games and your kids' activities. And that's not that they shouldn't be involved in that. I want Josiah to, to become a wrestler like Duffy down here. The only thing I hate about it is those outfits they wear. Those are disgusting. Disgusting. What? Yes. I don't think I'm ever going to get used to it. I know there's people that say I'd love it, but I don't. I, I, I think Josiah is going to have to get some... I don't know. If he was going to wrestle, he's going to have to get some other uniform. <laughs> and Duff, you were a wrestler too, weren't you, bud? And, and Duff Jr. down there, he's good. And I, this, this, I'm not afraid to say this kind of stuff in the service. The Duffies have blessed me immensely, as, as our entire church. But last week when I saw the three Duffies come in, and I, see, and I see our teenagers. I see our teenagers that I love. What? And Lily Tafelski had a video online, and I put a note on there. Lily is one of the sweetest girls I know. Seriously. 
I, I think to myself, I have chills saying this, thank God for youth workers that instill a love for Christ. Do not bash on our youth workers. You don't know what it is to work with youth nowadays. It's tough. They will manipulate you. We did as children. I told you my sister would go to school and change, and then she'd talk against the youth group to manipulate my parents. Don't buy into the lies of Satan. Support the work of God, and you'll get exactly what you need in your home. Paul says in Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For those who are in Christ, for in Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin. So Paul wrote three, 13 books in the New Testament. 13 books. All the while he was getting bashed, he was using it for good. All the while that he was in prison, he was using this to change our world for Christ. 13 books of the New Testament. Only three times in the entire New Testament is the word Christian used. 216 times are the words in Christ used. I think the word Christian is weak, means nothing. Everybody in West Michigan's a Christian. Not everybody is in Christ. In Christ alone, I find my strength. I find my strength in what Christ did on the cross is the payment, we call it propitiation for sins that I committed. This is what I want you to understand. When you have a problem with your brother or sister and there's something you don't like, you go talk to them. You don't bash on them. You don't excommunicate them. You don't throw the pastor out, as we're familiar with. You do everything in your power to bring them back. You don't put stipulations on them. You just love them. Is that what you do with your children? You're going to get it. You're going to do this or else. No, let me give you a better example of how to handle that. Face down on the floor, crying. Face down. Loving on them to such a point where they, on their own, surrender to God. On their own. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, you agree with me? That's what works. It is not going to work to set down new rules and have lists of them in your house. You change. You change. You know how you change? They walk into the room and they have a visual image of mom sitting at the counter or at the kitchen table crying with her Bible open. That'll change somebody, won't it? Come on. Come on, ladies. Ladies, you, l listen to me. My wife is a worse fanatic than me. She could rip up a storm up here. That's why I don't let her up here. Because, well, first of all, I don't believe in female preachers, even though she is one. It's, it's a closet preacher. I'm fine with her preaching to the women, but our women don't take advantage of it. And the next thing you know, oh, boy, this is going to hit home. Oh, God, help me. Save me, Jesus. You're going to get in the car, and they're going to just start bashing. The pastor shouldn't have said this today. The pastor shouldn't have said that. He had no business calling him Asia boy. Am I good with Asia boy? He loves me. He's Asian. He looks like a boy, not a grown man. Are you still good with me? There's not, there, hey, listen, listen, listen. There's nothing that is going to separate us from loving each other. He's one of the greatest kids I know. We love him. 
You see, what most people are used to is going to church and the domini up in the front just speaks, oh, God, bless us today. And, and the Canaanites were chased out by all the Israelites as they crossed the land after 40 years of sleeping. And her grandma died and she didn't even... You could say anything you wanted to know, say, and people wouldn't even pay attention. But the minute you start saying something that really hits home, you got people mad at you. You know the best way to fill this place? Make people mad. I do it every week. I do. I'm always hoping when people get up and leave that they have to be somewhere. Don't you think that's what Paul would do? Don't you think that Paul got put in prison not because he actually did something wrong, but because he spoke truth? Yes. yes. And then all the, we just had some people get up and leave. I don't even know. Maybe they had to go, maybe their roast is burning or something. I don't know. It's very disheartening and disillusioning when you see that people don't want to hear the truth anymore. They just want to be medicated. Some kind of medication. I think that if we understood what we are in Christ, we would be completely different. Because here's what I am. Blessed, verse 3. Chosen, verse 4. Predestined, verse 5. Adopted, verse 5. Accepted, verse 6. Redeemed, verse 7. Forgiven, verse 7. Enlightened, verses 8 and 9. Given an inheritance, verse 11. Sealed by the Holy Spirit, verse 13. And assured, verse 14, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, nothing can separate me. The prodigal father will still come running for me. He won't be waiting to excommunicate you. He will come running for you and say, come on back. And he won't be expecting you to come back and change instantly because that's not how it works. Spiritual growth is a process. Yes. Spiritual growth, sanctification is a process. We're fully sanctified when we get saved and we become a new creature, not in Adam anymore, but in Christ. I'm fully sanctified, but in reality, in a, in a, in a reality of day-by-day -day living, I'm sanctifying myself all the time by not looking at garbage, by not talking garbage, by not acting like garbage, by not loving the world, by loving Christ, by being in his word, and then I'm happy. Yeah? I don't have a watch because Joe promised me he was going to fix mine a long time ago and I think I gave you 10 of them, but, but I never got any back. So, now that was offensive. We've taken about enough we can get. We should go back to our dead church. Do you think I'm making this up? We live in a culture today in this country that everybody's offended all the time. Because they feast on being offended. Why not give up being offended and get with the program and be cheering? You know how you do that? Vince keeps agreeing with me over there. It's like, when he's not here, we're just going to have to have a recording. I push a button every so often. You ever been to... You, you, ever, you, know why, you know why he's like that? Because that's not the way he was, right, Chris? He's your dad. He was not that way until God got a hold of his life in our church in the last three years. And he had a come to Jesus moment. A you need a come to Jesus moment to get out of being in Adam and to be in Christ. You got to have one of those where you actually call on the name of the Lord and he saves you from your sin. I am sick and tired of churches just giving these little blah sermonettes to soothe people's consciences and never giving an invitation. Last week, 
two individuals raised their hand they wanted to be saved. The week before, two individuals raised their hand. I believe this. We're in the middle of revival. We're not just in a new building. We're in a, a new building where the power of God is manifested, and we're not fighting the demons of the theater, and God is in the house. When God's in the house, it could go all day, so we're going to stay for another three hours. And watch and see how many people get up and leave during that three hours. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. we, love it. we love Jesus as long as it's convenient. Yeah, we do. I, I need to stop, but in verses 3 through 6, we see, th um, we see the work of the Father, which is election. He elected us. I never have understood that. That God picked you to get out of being in Adam to come to Christ. In verses 7 through 12, we see the work of the Son, which is redemption. Jesus Christ, when he, he came to this earth, he came with the goal of buying you back from the devil. In verses 13 through 14, we see the work of the Spirit, which I'm, I am so thankful, so thankful for this. I am protected by the power of the Holy Spirit living in me. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it is. God's Spirit is in the house today. It's not just warm and fuzzy music. It's God in the house. It's God getting in your car with you. It's God loving you so much that he's put his hand of protection on you till the day you see him. Yes. That's a glorious day, the day we see him. My favorite chapter in the Bible is John 15. It says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in Christ and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Don't you want to bear fruit? Yeah. Here, here's how it's going to happen today. You're going to have to make a decision, first of all, with your eyes open right now. Am I in Adam? Or has there been a time in my life when I've actually realized I am lost? I am not going to go to heaven when I die. I don't even understand that. I don't have a relationship with Christ. I... I hear you talking, Pastor, but I don't know what it means to be in Adam or in Christ. It means this, that there has to be a divine appointment with you whereby at some point in your life you realize I'm lost on my own. I need to take what Christ did on the cross as a payment for my sin. And when you do that, you now enter the family of God and you are in Christ. In Christ alone, you can make it. In Christ. Now, for everyone else in the room that is in Christ, you have to realize this. God is putting you through something right now, right now in your life. If he cares about you at all, he's going to put you through these things to bring you to a closer relationship with him. What are you going to do with what he's holding out to you right now? Are you going to get mad and try to change the rules and try to do this, that, and the other thing instead of saying, no, I'm going to break, I'm going to fall on my face before God, I'm going to change. Yes. I'm going to start living like I'm in Christ. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Nobody's looking around. You're in the room, and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're not just in Adam, but you are in Christ. I am saved. I'm born again. I've had a moment when I've come to Jesus Christ and accepted what he did on the cross. I want you to raise your hand. That helps me to understand who in the room I should pray for. Okay, thank you. Now, maybe you don't even understand this, but there has to be a moment in time when you personally reached out and said, I want to take what you've done on the cross as a payment for my sin. I want to be saved, Pastor. 
I don't want to have any doubt about this. It's what you did, Christ. I need this in my life. Pray for me. Raise your hand. Anyone in the room says, pray for me. I don't understand this, but I want salvation. I want this in my life. Anybody in the room? Because I always miss if, if people raise their hand. I can't always see. Anybody in the room that says, I need this. Today, I want this in my life. Okay, let's go to the other question. You're in Christ. But there are some things that God needs to do. Some things that need to be addressed in your life. Or you're headed for trouble. And you know it. I want you to raise your hand. Pray for me, Pastor. There are some things that must be addressed in my life. There's a bunch of people. Must be addressed. Hold it up a second. Because you're doing this for before God. Not, not before me or before other men. Because nobody else is looking around. There are some things that need to seriously be addressed in my life. I'm not depending on Christ, and I'm struggling because of this. Yeah, there's probably 30 people with their hands raised. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, which is above every name, and which one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. I pray in the name of Christ that this day will be a new starting point. Yes, look up here a minute. It's one of the hardest things in the world to do is because you think, but I've done this before and nothing changed. You have to want it that bad. If you're a child of God, God will allow things to happen until he gets your attention because he loves you. Right? Right? This message will become less and less popular as the days go on. I think that the next few years in our country we will have, if not civil war, we will have a lot of chaos. We're headed in a very bad direction because of hatred. You can see the handwriting on the wall. These are the last days. We need each other. There will be spies who will spy out our freedom and try to destroy our church. They will try to destroy your personal life. That's the way it is in ministry. It's the way it is in church work. We band together for the sake of Christ. Not to protect Rock Church, but protect the name of Jesus and be able to lift that up in days that are very, very troubling. We stand behind Israel because those who curse Israel are cursed, right? Those who bless Israel are blessed. God, you bless Israel. They are your people. Yes. You want to be blessed today? Say yeah. Yeah. Okay, I want you to say this one last time. I am in Christ. Ready? Because when you get in your car, you're going to get on Facebook and you're going to go to Twitter and you're going to go, I am in Christ. And people are going to say, how come everybody from Rock Church is saying, I am in Christ? Because it's the only thing you remember about today. Last week was what? Now, in about 10 weeks, you're going to go, I don't know what I am anymore. Because <laughs> it's going to be week one, I am blessed. Week two, I am in Christ. Right? Isn't this a great day? Yeah. It's going to be like almost 60. But let me send a, a gentle reminder to you. It is February 20th. <laughs> this is Michigan. Be blessed on your way out because soon I'm going to lose everybody anyway. Adios, amigos.